Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, my brothers and sisters, listen. Today is a good day to be born again. Oh, yes, it is, beloved. We have been washed and cleansed by the one who shed his blood so that God's wrath will no longer be upon us. And you mean to tell me you still are going to live a life of sin, believing the lie that we can live however we want because of the blood of Jesus, because of God's amazing grace. Beloved, listen, God wants his light to come back home, to come back to him. Yes, prodigal child, go home. So listen, Galatians 5.25. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, and moral courage. Our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, there is absolutely no reason for anyone who have claimed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. There is no reason why we should still be saying it is impossible to stop sinning. It is unreasonable to even imagine that we can live a life that is clean and holy. After all, we still living in these fleshly bodies. Well, beloved, listen, that would be true but for the fact that the Father has sent us help 
Holy Spirit. So we are without an excuse as to why some of us still are walking in disobedience. Even when you have the word on the matter and yet you think that you can deceive God by by talking about, well, you know, it's really up for interpretation. No, it's not. Obedience, thank you, Holy Spirit, does not need to be up for interpretation. Either you are going to follow Jesus or you are not. You cannot serve two masters. You can't have this wicked, evil, pagan world and Jesus at the same time. Nope. So, you do know, beloved, right, that we ain't got no business living lives that are not pleasing to God. Be not deceived. We will have to give an account for this life we are living. You do know that, right? Not to give an account for sin, for that was taken care of at the cross. But some of us will barely make it in, literally by the skin of your teeth. Listen, 1 Corinthians 3.13. Paul was saying, right, each one's work will be clearly shown for what it is. For the day of judgment will disclose it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality and character and worth of each person's work. Verse 14, if any person's work which he has built on this foundation that is any outcome of his effort remains and survives this test he will receive a reward but if any person's work is burned up by the test he will suffer the loss of his reward yet he himself will be saved, but only as one who has barely escaped through fire. Amen. Second Corinthians 5, 10 through 11. Now listen, beloved, for we believers will be called to account and must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be repaid for what has been done in the body, whether good or bad. That is, each will be held responsible for his actions, purposes, goals, motives, the use or misuse of his time, opportunities, and abilities. Verse 11, Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord, 
and understand the importance of obedience and worship. We persuade people to be reconciled to him. Amen. So think about that, beloved, Kate, because if you truly, and I mean truly, feared the Lord, if you understand how he's not playing with this lake of fire, not only would you be straightening up and flying right, you will pursue, pursue and persuade others to live clean and holy. And to be reconciled back to him. Because you see, beloved, please get this fact, this biblical truth. If your name is not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Revelation 2015 says you will be thrown into the lake of fire. And some of you poo-poo that. And say, well, that's not for me because once I'm saved, I'm always saved. Okay, well, show that to me. Show that in the Bible that we can disobey God while claiming Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we will have eternal life anyway. Anyway. Show it to me. You won't be able to, beloved, because the Holy Scriptures tells us that we must be obedient until the end. And not only that, but faithful. Faithful. Listen. Today. What are we talking about? Well... We're talking about, among other things, but namely, 2 Timothy 2.19. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord stand apart from wickedness and withdraw from wrongdoing. Amen. That's the Amplified. The King James says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Amen. So, beloved, again, we are commanded to put away sin. All of it. We must put away all wickedness, all evil behavior that is contrary to the wholesome teachings of Jesus Christ and those of the apostles. We must be obedient and walk as Christ walked and conducted himself. Total obedience to the Father. 
Why, why should it be any different for us now that we are spirit-filled and led? The Bible says that those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Romans 8, 13 to 15. Listen. For if you are living according to the impulses of the flesh, you are going to die. But if you are living by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are habitually putting to death the, the, the sinful deeds of the body. You will really live forever for all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Verse 15, Romans 8. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit producing sonship by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. Amen. Glory to God. Give glory to God, saints. Give glory to God. 1 John 3, 4. Yes, I'm giving us a bunch of scriptures so that we can be edified in the things of God. Because if we continue to justify sin, make excuses for it, make light of it, claiming that, well, me and God are good. How could you even say that? And you are waking up and going to bed every single day of your quote-unquote born-again life. How can, you, how can you say that? Well, Cynthia, I know how they can say it. They say it because the bishop keeps telling them once they're in the family, they are always in the family. Oh, well, that's a lie. That's a lie. I know. You don't agree with it just like a lot of what Christ has to say. Many of his professing children, and that's in air quotes, because Jesus says that if you really truly love me, then you will obey me. You will heed to my commandments. Yep. So, 1 John 3, 4. Listen, whosoever committed sin transgressed again transgress it also the law for sin is the transgression of the law and ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins 
and in him is no sin. Verse 6, 1 John 3. Whosoever abided in him, sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth, hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Amen. Point blank and put a period. Even as he is righteous, he that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God, do not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. Why? Because he is born of God. Verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil Whosoever do not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Amen. John is saying, Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. You actually take after the character of your father, Satan. The love of God, his word, his Holy Spirit does not, listen and hear me close, beloved, does not dwell in a vessel that commits sin habitually. Those who know God does not make it a practice to habitually, knowingly, willfully sin against God. No, they don't. And if anyone misses the mark, which is different from habitually sinning, that your life is characterized by sin, there's a difference. We have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ, that if we do sin, we confess and go to God Ask for forgiveness. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9 that God is faithful to forgive. He is faithful and just and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the problem is you keep believing the false doctrine that your future sins are along with your past and your present, 
have all been rolled up into one bowl and nailed to the cross, and therefore there's nothing to repent of. For what? If Christ has already taken care of future sin, then it's true. If so facto, then if that was the truth, then you can live however you want because at the end of the day, you will still go to heaven. You have behind that false doctrine, you have eternal security. And that's why many of God's children have gone rogue. They went out back out there into the world believing that Jesus got them covered no matter what they do. And their lives are miserable. They have placed themselves back on the broad way. And if they don't come home, you're going straight to a burning hell. Beloved, the Bible, I don't know how many times, is telling us, let no man deceive you. You must walk in righteousness. Because if you do not practice righteousness... You do not know God. You don't love Jesus. And John says you are a liar to even think you have fellowship with God and you practice lawlessness as a lifestyle. You're deceived. And this is why the Lord is Raising up and training his messengers to, to tell his sheep that if you are living in sin, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. You must turn around and go back to God before it is too late. Before he calls you out of that bodysuit and now you enter eternity as a deceived, quote unquote, Christian. Because Jesus says on the day of judgment, he would tell many a false prophet. I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. And that goes for anyone claiming his name, talking about, Lord, Lord, did we not do this, that, and the third? And he will say, I never knew you. You are a worker of wickedness, sin, lawlessness. You did not obey anything I told you to do. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it is finna go down. Um, let me read verse 9 again. If I didn't read it, I'm going to read it again. 1 John 3, 9. Whosoever is born of God, do not commit sin. That's it. I don't know about you all, but um, don't you just love the word of God? 
for it does keep us on the path that is straight and narrow that leads to eternal life. And this is why it is absolutely, thank you, Holy Spirit. It is absolutely crucial that we remain in the word for ourselves. Because if you are living in sin and you know deep in your heart, but you keep suppressing the obvious, we must be obedient. So what do you do? Same thing I did. Anybody teaching anything but holiness and righteousness, otherwise you're going to perish. Well, them be the ones we heap upon ourselves. Because Paul called it when he was talking to the young pastor, Timothy, that a time will come that many will not endure. They won't put up with sound doctrine. Because of shameful lust. They rather have that. And so what do they do? They heap upon themselves teachers that will tickle the ear. Telling you all that you want to hear. As long as you are a member and you are a faithful tither and giver. No, beloved. Listen. Okay. First Thessalonians 4. Finally, believers, we ask and admonish you in the Lord Jesus that you follow the instruction that you received from us about how you ought to walk and please God, just as you are actually doing, and that you excel even more and more, pursuing a life of purpose, and living in a way that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. Amen. For you know what commandments and precepts we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. You ready, beloved? That you be sanctified, separated, and set apart from sin. Yes, beloved, that's the will of God. Not that you are wealthy, healthy, with houses, cars, and lands, and a new man, a new wife. Yeah, I know because, see, the apostate bishop keeps telling you that how Christ died so that you can be financially set. No, Christ died for our sin debt, not our financial debt. Listen, back over here to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. This is the will of God. That you be sanctified, set, um, that you be sanctified, separated, if I can get it out, separated and set apart from sin. All those S's in there. That you abstain and back away from sexual immorality. 
Beloved, please don't get me started on that. Because many of you, like it was going on with me before the Lord brought me to my senses. Many of you are practicing sexual immorality. Sleeping around with someone who is not your covenant spouse. Because like we talked about yesterday... Those in these adulterous remarriages claiming Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you must come out of that. Yes, leave that individual so that you don't die and go straight to a burning hell, tormenting as you await the day of judgment. Only, only to be told by Jesus, depart from me. I never knew you. Your name is not in my book of life. Throw him into the fiery furnace called the lake of fire. He calls that the second death, beloved. You got to understand, eternity is forever and it is Final. There is no coming back from the lake of fire. There will be no grace. There will be no blood of Jesus. And there will be no repentance. Once you in that lake, it's a done deal. Finito, kid. It is forever and ever tormenting. Tormenting. Where the smoke of your torment will rise day and night, and there will be no relief for you. Y'all better study Revelation 14, starting in verse 9. Uh-huh. So, we are to back away from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, being available for God's purpose and separated from things profane. Verse 5 of First Thessalonians 4. Not, listen, our bodies, okay, are not to be used in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God and are ignorant of his will. And that in this manner of sexual misconduct, no man shall transgress and defraud his brother. Because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. Beloved, listen. We cannot be sleeping with our believing brethren either. Because a lot of that madness is going down in the body of Christ too. Uh-huh. Just as we have told you before and solemnly warned you, for God, verse 7, for God has not called us to impurity, but to holiness. See, beloved, see, this is not trying to put you under works of the law. Absolutely not. Listen, obedience, walking clean and holy, putting away any and all things that will cause you to stumble is not legalism. Legalism is trying to put you under 
those 613 laws of Moses so that you are justified in the sight of God. Well, we all know from Paul that the law justifies no one, that the law was pointing to Christ. And now that he has appeared, we are under grace because grace teaches us not to look for loopholes to, to get around being obedient, but it teaches us to reject all ungodliness and worldly immoral desires. So, all of you keep claiming once saved, I'm always saved, and you want to just take grace as this blanket, as a license to, to poo-poo away all of your wrong behavior. But the Bible is telling us that grace, that same grace you all are clutching on with dear life, well, guess what? It teaches you to stop sinning. It's, it's not there to, to cover all of your wickedness and evilness, claiming, well, you know, Jesus understands, you know, thank God for his grace and mercy. Yes, thank God for his grace and mercy. And his grace and mercy is giving us time to repent and stop the foolishness. We better wake up. Christ Jesus is on his way back, beloved. Listen. Verse 8. No, verse 7. For, for God has not called us to impurity, but to holiness, to be dedicated and set apart by behavior. To be set apart by behavior that pleases him, whether in public or in private. Verse 8 of 1 Thessalonians 4. So, whoever rejects and disregards this is not merely rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you to dwell in you and, listen, and empower you to overcome temptation. Amen. Did you hear that, beloved? Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I'm speaking to all the prodigal children out here today. If you do not repent and stop sinning and come back to God, you will all perish even claiming the name. Jesus says in Luke 13, verses 3 and 5, But unless you repent, you too shall all likewise perish. And that's the only message he gave me when, when he put me up on this platform. This is... If you've been listening to me for any amount of time over these, what, some odd 600 episodes, I only have one message. 
We are to live clean and holy now that we are born again post-salvation. We are to walk and live and conduct ourselves in the fear and, and reverent awe of the Lord and respect his name. Yes, beloved. So, I'm speaking to all these prodigal children out here today. I know. I know you keep not wanting to hear this. Well, then stop sinning and live righteously as we are commanded to do so. Then these excitations would would not be rubbing you the wrong way. Listen, it only rubs you the wrong way is because you're guilty. Listen, this is not to condemn anyone, but to wake us up and realize that if you had no, listen, thank you, Holy Spirit. If you had no intention on living a life that is pleasing to God, then you should have never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior because he tells us that we better count the cost before we come and follow him. He has exacted his requirement requirements for discipleship. You must crucify that flesh, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. Because if you put your hand to the plow and you look back longing for what you think you are leaving behind, Lot's wife. The Bible says, remember Lot's wife. Jesus says, you ain't fit for the kingdom. And he's right, and he has the right to, to lay out the terms of discipleship. I don't get it. Some people want to put Jesus Christ in this pagan Christmas Easter box that he is just so kind and loving and he won't send anyone to hell. Yes, he is kind. And he is loving. And he is generous and gracious and awesome. But he will not be mocked. Ain't no way in the world that he is going to allow his enemies to get over on him. Have you not read 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 9? Because when Christ returns, I keep telling you all, he ain't passing out hugs in flaming fire. Listen, when Christ returns with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who, how it says here, who... No, no, let me say it right. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
who shall be punished with what? Everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And what does it say here? Uh-huh. And from the glory of his power. Keep playing. Go on, keep right on playing, thinking that you are in a special place with God. And you're not. You're not, beloved. Listen, as your sister, I'm coming to you in love. The Father is not pleased with your behavior. He told me to bring his lights to him. When he told me that, I had no clue what that meant. And I'm like, bring his lights to him. What does that mean? Bring his lights to him. So I sat on it. I sat on it. And from time to time, I kept seeking wisdom about what does that mean? Because I'm thinking what? You know, like bring bring sinners to Christ. But I'm like, well, no. He says, light. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So that must mean something that is without darkness. So it can't be sinners in, in this regard. So I'm like, light. Now, I'm seeing in the Bible how Jesus says that he is the light. So I'm thinking, well, it got to do with something that is good. So bring his light. And some other things that he was telling me, I was kind of getting the impression, is he talking about his children? But how could I bring them? I thought they were already brought. And I'm like, hmm. What does this mean that he wants me to bring his light to him? So again, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking what? Bringing sinners? Bringing people out of darkness to him so that they can be in the light? And then about a year or so later, I got wisdom. I got wisdom what he was talking about. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. So, like I was saying before, we are talking about post-salvation here. Because how on this flat surface called the earth, do you honestly think the Lord who bought our wretched souls with his precious shed blood, expects for us to live. Now that we are born again, do you think it's in reckless abandonment? I think not, my friend. For if you do, you are living in great self-delusion. Listen, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 12. Yeah, we reading this again. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, 
nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you before you believed, but you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified, set apart for God, and made holy. Yes, you were. You were justified, declared free of guilt in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God, the source of the believer's new life and changed behavior. Beloved, our behavior must change. It must change. And if you do not agree with Jesus... You're going to be in a world of pain for all of eternity. It is to our best interest to get on board with Jesus. And if you lack wisdom, ask the Father. Because you see, the problem is many do not want to give up the flesh. Especially in the area of fornication and adultery. It is pleasurable to have sex, and many people are not willing to count the cost that they must give it up and leave those to whom they are indulging in this ungodly act with in order to follow Jesus. Many are not willing to do that, and they have convinced themselves, themselves through false doctrines doctrines of devils that they can actually live in sin and still please God and then die and go to heaven. Oh no, beloved, we got to wake up. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Not possible. It is not possible. John says in 1 John 3, we just read it. It's not possible for anyone to be filled with God's spirit who, who has his divine word living on the inside of them to go on willfully, deliberately, knowingly, habitually, perpetually go on sinning. Not possible. He's not saying that they won't ever miss the mark. He's saying that no child born of the Most High God live a life that is characterized by sin. Not possible. Not possible. Well, Cynthia, well, you know what? Well, I just don't believe that because after all, we are, we are sinners. No, we are not. Who... Who told you that after coming to Christ that you are still a wretched sinner? That that sin still has mastery over you? Who told you that? Well, we see over here in Romans 7, Paul, 
Paul was talking about, oh, oh, wretched man, I want to do good, but I don't. The bad that I don't want to do, I seem to do that even more. Oh, beloved, please stop. Stop. Because think about it. <clears throat> Number one, real quick as a sidebar. Romans chapter 7 is talking about the law. Okay, the law. Think about Paul who wrote, as some say, two-thirds of the New Testament. Because they also talk about how, see, even Paul had, had a problem with sinning. No, he did not. Well, yeah, because see, look, he said, Oh, wretched man that I am. See, Paul had a problem with wanting to do good, but he don't. And the bad that he didn't want to do, Cynthia, he said, I do that all the more. Okay. Have you read the beginning of Romans chapter 7 where he's talking about the law? Because by the time you get down to verse 24, you need ears that hear. Paul, he was talking about Anyone that who was living under the, the 613 laws of Moses, who did not have God's Holy Spirit living in them, Christ has not come and died for the sins of the world, and you try to keep all those laws to absolute perfection, you can't do it. So Paul was saying, in, in the shoes of one trying to keep the law, not being born again, not having God's spirit, not having his grace, but now works. You can't do it. No matter how good of an intent you, you try to keep, the law, but you failed miserably. Why? No one was able to keep it. No matter, no matter how good you wanted to please God, but you end up sinning and failing anyway. As much as you want to do good, you don't. What God says not to do, and you tried not to do it, you end up doing it anyway. You want to know why? There's no Holy Spirit to help us and guide us and teach us and comfort us. That's why, that's why he was, he was given that analogy, if you will, that you, no one is able to keep the law. That's the uh, premise of Romans 7, not that, you know, Paul was just so, he was just so confused because in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he's given us all these things that if we continue to do this, we're going to perish. So how could he have said this, but then back over in Romans, he's like, you know what? I don't know. No one, no one could just live a life of goodness. I can't do it. He. He's not bipolar. Not that I'm coming against those who have that demonic oppression. 
Paul is the same one who said that he keep his body under subjection, lest him having preached the gospel, that he become disqualified because he didn't put that flesh under. And you mean to tell me that this is the same Paul who was clearly concerned about missing heaven, that if he didn't stop it, and, and if he didn't walk the straight and the narrow, well, he will become a castaway. And you mean to tell me that this is the same Paul who was over there in Romans complaining like a big old baby about it's so hard. It's, it's, it's just so hard to live holy and clean. No, beloved, not at all. Paul had an encounter. With the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was converted. He was not. Telling us. Well you know what. Try. Do the best you can. Because I get it. I I know it's hard. Because I myself. You know what. I be trying. But I don't know. Sometimes I do good. Sometimes I don't. But I do a whole lot of bad. But you know what? Everyone keep their fingers and toes crossed that when we die, that we all somehow make it. No, beloved. Absolutely not. Listen. Back over here. Back over here. Okay. To some sound doctrine. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 down in verse 12, okay, because we better know that this body is the Lord's. Everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power, allowing it to control me. Amen. So, come on, let's talk about and rehash what sin is because many are still playing with their salvation. Galatians 5, Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations. Yep, that's your cutthroat competition. Wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. So you mean to tell me that this is the same Paul who have just given us these 17 works of the flesh that if we don't stop it, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you mean to tell me that this same man that can exhort us in one of the most powerful passages 
of listing what sins are? You mean to tell me that he still had a problem with sin when he is telling us, stop it, don't do it, otherwise we're going to perish? You mean to tell me that's the same Paul? You keep saying, well, because you know Paul. Paul, oh, oh, wretched man. No, oh, wretched man, nothing. Listen, okay. <laughs> I'm giving us these scriptures so that according to the Bible, we will know how we ought as a moral obligation to walk and conduct ourselves just as Christ walked and conducted himself as 1 John 2, 6 exhorts us. And not only that, beloved, 1 Peter 1, 14, we are commanded to live as obedient children of God. Do not be conformed to the evil desires which govern you in your ignorance before you knew the requirements and transforming power, power of the good news regarding salvation. Amen. And not only that, verse 15, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves. In all your conduct, be set apart from the world by your godly character and moral courage. Why? Verse 16, because it is written, you shall be holy, set apart, for I am holy. Yes, and not only that, verse 17, if you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself like you got some spiritual sense. Now, it doesn't say that, but it does say this. Conduct yourselves in reverent fear of him and with profound respect for him throughout the time of your stay on earth. Amen. That's why Holy Spirit is giving us these scriptures so that we would know, number one, what sin is, and number two, what are the eternal consequence of willful disobedience against the one who saved our wretched souls from certain damnation. Beloved, listen. Let me just go into Ephesians 5 real quick. Let me see. Uh-huh. Yeah, starting in verse 3. But sexual immorality and all moral impurity indecent offensive behavior or greed must not even even be hinted at among you as is proper among saints amen look at because it says for as believers our 
our way of life, whether in public or in private, reflects the validity of our faith. Amen. I'm going to give you Colossians 3. Mm -hmm. Because see, the problem, like it was in my case, we did not put on the new man. The Bible instructs us to put on the new self. Now that we are born again, the old man, that old sinful nature, died with Christ up there on the cross. Galatians 2.20 tells us we have been crucified with Christ. It is I who no longer lives. Christ lives in me. So we don't make it a practice to go on sinning. Listen, he loves us. He laid down his life for us. So this life that we live in these mortal bodies, we live it by faith. Not by sight, not by your flesh, not by the ugh, superficial values of this world whom the God of it, little g, has blinded the minds of those who are perishing so they would not, would not receive the goodness of the good news that Christ died for the sins of the world. He incurred the wrath of God on, on our behalf so we don't face eternal judgment. But the world, by and large, said no. And what makes matters worse, those who have come to Christ thinks he is playing. That they can actually willfully sin and still think that they have a free pass just because they are Christians. Yeah, we all better wake our little selves right on up. Listen, Colossians 3, verse 1. Therefore, Okay, because this is about to put prayfully a kibosh on the madness. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated. At the right hand of God, set your mind and keep focused and keep focused habitually. Beloved, I must keep my notifications on. I am expecting a text that I can't miss. So I apologize for these notifications. Okay. Verse 2, right? Colossians 3. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which are, which are only temporal value. Yes. See, see what I'm saying? 
Verse 3, for you died to this world. See, beloved, oh, thank you, Lord. This is why we must be in study. Because if you don't realize by the word of God that you have died to this world, then there should not even be any argument about, well, if you're telling me that I must come out of this adulterous remarriage, well, what am I to do about lust? What? Kill it. That's what you are to do about it. Kill it. Listen, verse 3, you died to this world and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. Listen, when Christ, who is our life, let us not forget that part. Yeah, that part. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So put to death and deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly body. That's what you are to do about lust, my brother. Put to death and deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly body with its sensual self-centered instincts, immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire. Listen. Who is this? Paul is telling us all what to put away. Uh-huh. Immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. Verse 6. Because of these sinful things, the divine wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. Listen, those who fail to listen and who routinely and obstinately disregard God's precepts. Paul is talking about you. Mm-hmm. Because see, I had to learn this lesson the hard way. And that's why, as your sister in Christ, because I've learned the hard way, I'm telling you, the Bible is correct here. We, we got to put all this away. I'm telling you, I came this close to hell's fire, beloved. And by the grace of God, he spared my wretched, lying, hypocritical, calling myself a Christian soul. I'm telling you what I know. You are listening. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. You, my friend, are listening to someone who was spared hell. I'm telling you, I came from the brink of it in full, complete repentance, let me tell you. I'm telling you, I did not have to physically go there and come back to warn you not to go there. The Lord already showed me in the spirit. He told me in my spirit 
that I was on my way to certain damnation. And you know what? I believed him. I believed every single word that he told me about that. That's why I'm here. I'm not here coming in self-righteousness. I'm coming here as a warning. God wants his lights to stop it and to come on back home before it is too late. His grace and his mercy abounds every day that you wake up. And instead of repenting and coming to Christ, you say, all is well. All is not well, beloved. Not if you are living in adultery, fornication, idolatry, homosexuality, witchcraft, gossiping, lying, murder, lasciviousness, being a greedy, covetous person. You are a drunkard. Smoking cigarettes, dressing like a harlot, still clubbing, still attached to this world and, and all of its vices. You're not going to make it. I'm telling you what I know. You are being warned. Turn from your wicked ways. Repent and turn back to God before it is too late. Jesus Christ, when he returns. He shall have his reward with him and he's going to give to every last single person according to their, how he says it over here in Jeremiah 17, 10. He is going to give every man according, according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Yes. Yes, he will. And you better believe him. You better believe the living Christ. What he just said. Glory to God. Okay. Where are we at? Mm -hmm. Colossians 3 verse 7. Right? And in right. Who failed to listen. And who routinely and obstinately disregard God's precepts. Verse 7. And in these sinful things you also once walked when you were habitually living in them without the knowledge of Christ. But now, Paul is like, but now that you are born again, rid yourselves completely of all these things. Here he go with another list. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene, abusive, filthy, vulgar language from your mouth. Do not lie. Do not lie to one another. For you have been stripped off the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new spiritual self who is being continually renewed in true knowledge in the image of him who created the new self a renewal in which there is no distinction 
between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, nor between nations, whether barbarian or Scythians, nor in status, whether slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So believers are equal in Christ without distinction. Verse 12. So, as God's own chosen, as God's own chosen people who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose and well beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness come with good temper. Amen. So, you all can finish reading that out to verse 17, because listen, okay, saying all of that, 1 John 2, 4. Okay. Listen. Whoever says. Okay. Because a lot of people claiming the name are deluded. Deluded. Mm -hmm. Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not habitually keep focus on his precepts and obey his commandments, his teachings, is a liar. John is like, you don't know him. You have not come to know the living Christ if you are habitually sinning. Not that you may have missed the mark. No, he's talking about your life is characterized by willful disobedient sin. Repeating sin. Yeah, he says that one is a liar. But whoever habitually keeps his word and obeys his precepts and treasures his message in its entirety in him, that one. The love of God has truly been perfected. It is completed and has reached maturity. By this, we know for certain that we are in him. Whoever says he lives in Christ, that is, whoever says he has accepted him as God and Savior. Ought. Ought. John is like, you claim his name, right? You say you are born again, sanctified, holy, spirit-filled. Well, as a moral obligation, you ought to walk and conduct yourself. Just as Christ walked and conducted himself. Amen. So, do we think that Jesus walked in adultery? Huh? Do we think Jesus walked in fornication? 
Do we think Jesus walked in sorcery? Do you, <clears throat> do you think Jesus walked in homosexuality, lasciviousness, gossip, lying, murder? Huh? So, we are told that we ought as a moral obligation to walk and conduct ourselves just as Jesus walked and conducted himself. So, how did Jesus walk and conduct himself when he appeared in visible form as a man to take away sins? Well, earlier we just read up in 1 John 3, 5. In him there is absolutely no sin, for he has neither the sin nature nor has he committed sin or acts worthy of blame. Amen. Therefore, beloved, verse 6, no one who abides in him, who remains united in fellowship with him deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. No one who habitually sins has seen him or no <clears throat> or known him. Amen. Well, there we have that now now don't we? Mm-hmm. So if you are according to the scriptures, not to any condemnation or or making you feel bad none of that according to the word of the living god that if we live a life that is willfully practicing of sin we do not know god not this god maybe a god uh-huh the one that says it don't matter how you live as long as you profess that my son died and rose on the third day. He don't never talk about obedience. He don't, he don't never talk about the consequence of sin. All he wants you to do is be prepared for December 25th. Make sure you got that tree. Make sure you got all of the gifts ready to be wrapped. He wants you to make sure that your little children have Easter covered bunny eggs and grass for their little baskets come pagan uh, Easter. That's not the God we talking about today. No, that's a false God. That's a God that's okay with bad behavior. And you still get to go to heaven. That's not this God. This God commands complete allegiance. Complete. All we got to do is read the Old Testament. And we see how spiritual adultery did not go over well with him and the children of Israel, beloved. Okay. Listen. Like I was telling you all, right? God wants his lights to come back to him. So who are his lights? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us. Because it is all of you 
who believe in Christ as Savior and acknowledge him as God's son are his lights. Those who walk in obedience are his lights. But for some reason, you went rogue. Because at one time, you were actually obedient. That is why, yes, Holy Spirit, that is why he's sending out his messengers, his prophets, his pastors, his teachers, his evangelists. To go out and bring his lights back to him. All that I'm doing on the podcast is in conformity to what he told me to do. This is one of the assignments he and the son gave me personally to do. So 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us who are his lights. Look, believe it or not, (laughs) some of his lights are just like the prodigal son who needs to come on back home and stop wasting your fortune in reckless and immoral living. Come on home lights, sons of light and sons of day. Come on home. The father will say to his servants, quickly bring out the best robe for the guest of honor and put it on him and give him a ring for his hand and sandals for his feet and bring the fatted calf and slaughter it and let us invite everyone and feast and celebrate For this son of mine was as good as dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. Amen. So, like I was saying, let us take a look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. Because, beloved, this is so not the hour. To conduct your life in riotous living. The master is on his way back. So now listen. Now as to the times. Right. I was given us this scripture. So that we will see who are God's light. Now. As to the times and dates, brothers and sisters, you have no need for anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the return of the Lord is coming. Just as a thief comes unexpectedly and suddenly in the night. While they are saying peace and safety all is well and secure, then in a moment, unforeseen destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains on a woman with child, and they will absolutely not escape. For there will be no way to escape the judgment of the Lord. 
But you, believers, verse 4, 1 Thessalonians 5. But you, believers, all you who believe in Christ as Savior and acknowledge Him as God's Son, are not in spiritual darkness, nor held by its power. See, beloved, if you are still smoking weed, if you are still sleeping with married people, if you are single and you are still having sex, you are living in spiritual darkness. This here is talking about those who claim the name that are not, that are not living in spiritual darkness, nor are held by its power. So we are not in spiritual darkness, nor held by its power that the day of judgment would overtake you by surprise like a thief. Verse 5, here we go. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We do not belong to the night nor to darkness. So then, let us not sleep in spiritual indifference as the rest of the world does, but <clears throat> let us keep wide awake, alert, and cautious, and let us be sober, self-controlled, calm, and wise. Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we believers belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope and confident assurance of salvation. For God has not destined us to incur his wrath, that is, he did not select us to condemn us, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, who died willingly for us so that whether, so that whether we are awake, alive, or asleep, dead, at Christ's appearing, we will live together with him, sharing eternal life. Amen. And I know <clears throat> a lot in the apostate church love, 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 love to come here as a proof text and say, see, our assurance, no, our salvation is assured. See, we just read it. But did you also read to whom this, as y'all like to say, assured assurance is for? Do you think it's for the one who takes these precious promises as a license to sin and want to come here as a proof text? And demand God keep his precious promises? 
you are deceived. You are absolutely deceived because meanwhile back at the ranch, we listen, we follow, and we obey Jesus Christ. Because our hope is this. Our hope is in the promise of eternal life. Not that we had to earn and work for our salvation, but we are commanded to maintain it. What makes us think that all we have to do was just to believe? Because anything else, Cynthia, you are working for your salvation. We ain't talking about that, though. We talking post-salvation. Now that we have received the free gift. Now that we have received God's mercy and forgiveness. How do you think he wants you to now live? Huh? Okay, I ain't telling y'all the answer. I've been telling you all the answer. Okay. So listen. Ephesians 5, right? Already gave you Ephesians 5. Please go and study that, beloved. Because... I know I'm giving you all a lot of scriptures, but we must know these things. Holy Spirit wants us to know these things, beloved. So, I gave you Ephesians 5, right? So, let us go back one chapter. Chapter 4. Namely, verses 17 to 32. Now, listen to this, beloved. Because... This too is about living as children of light. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. For they are hopelessly confused. Beloved, Paul is saying you must no longer live as the unbelieving Gentiles live in the fertility of their minds and in the fool and in the foolishness and emptiness of their souls their minds are full of darkness they wander far from the life god gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him amen listen Paul is saying, right, for the Gentiles, those who don't know God, their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is clouded. They, they are alienated and self-banished banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the willful ignorance and spiritual blindness that is deep-seated within them because of the hardness and insensitivity of their heart. Verse 19, 
Ephesians 4. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. And beloved, Paul is saying, don't go back to that. Don't go back to this way of living. And many are ignoring him. Verse 20, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If in fact you have really heard him and have been taught by him, just as truth is in Jesus revealed in his life and personified in him, that regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self, completely discard your former nature which is being corrupted through deceitful desires. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 23. And, okay, we are being told to put off that old corrupted nature. We now are being told to be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished, mental and spiritual attitude and put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature created in God's image, God-like in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. Amen. So therefore. Rejecting all falsehood. Whether lying. Defrauding. Telling half truths. Spreading rumors. Any such as these. Speak truth. Each one. With his neighbor. For we are all parts of one another. And we are all parts of the body of Christ. Be angry at sin, at immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behavior. Yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. Verse 7, and do not, okay? This is the crux of today's lesson. Do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. Amen. And then <clears throat> if we come down. To verse 28. If you are a thief. Quit stealing. Stop it. Just like with any sin. Stop it. Instead use your hands. For good hard work. And then give generously. To others in need. Don't use foul. Or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement 
to those who hear them. Verse 30. And then I'm about to let you all go. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please him by whom you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequences of sin. Amen. See, beloved, see why we must endure until the end. For on the day of redemption, we shall be saved. Not on day one, when you recited that unscriptural sinner's prayer, and now you can sit back and enjoy the ride and live however you want to live and still go to heaven. No, beloved, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander and slander as well as all types of evil behavior put it all away beloved instead be kind to each other tender-hearted forgiving one another just as god through christ has forgiven you amen so beloved <clears throat> i want to give us just a few more a few more. Listen, we need this. All of us need this. Because these words are spiritual. Jesus says that his words are spiritual. So, and they need to be spiritually discerned. That means you must have Holy Spirit in you. Because if not, all that I have just said today makes no sense to you. But to those who are spirit-led and spirit-filled, oh, this makes complete sense. To them, this is good news. To them, this is right up their alleys. They, they want the Holy Spirit to consistently, faithfully, Train them in righteousness through the word of God. I'm right along with them. Glory be to God. So, we see the master over here in John 8, 10 through 12, laying down the pattern of once we are forgiven, how we are to move forward. Because for some of God's lights who have gone rogue, they think going forward is now living their best life. Now, John 8, starting in verse 10. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said to the woman, right, who was caught in the very act of adultery, he said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go, comma, and sin no more. Amen. Then 
Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Amen. Beloved, that's the pattern. Now that we are forgiven, we don't go back to the adultery. We don't go back to the fornication. We don't go back to the weed smoking. We don't go back to none of the works of the flesh. We do like Jesus commands. We are to go, comma, and sin no more. He, thank you, Holy Spirit. He is releasing us to forgiveness. And therefore... We walk in obedience. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. We who are in Christ are his true sheep. He knows us. We hear him and we listen to him. We follow and we obey Jesus. He says in John 10, 27, the sheep that are my own hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they 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 will never ever by any means perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater and mightier than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand i and the father are one in essence and nature. Amen. No false prophet with their high sounding nonsense and empty philosophies can snatch us out of Jesus' hand who are filled with seducing spirits that actually have the audacity to utter Satan's words by saying, no, you won't, you won't die. God gives a command and its consequence, if disobeyed, that you will die. You will be eternally separated from me. You will be thrown in the lake of fire. And the devil comes along with his agents uh, masquerading as light and say, no, you won't. You can be a liar. You won't go to the fire. That's a lie, beloved. You will most certainly, absolutely, positively perish. So, the Christ who laid down his life for us in a horrific, bloody, brutal, violent fashion has promised, promised us eternal life. But not to the ones who do not practice righteousness. 1 John 2, 25. And this is the promise that he had promised us. Even eternal life. Amen. These things... Verse 26, have I written unto you concerning that concerning them that seduce you? But the anointing which ye have received of him abided in you. 
John is talking about the Holy Spirit, the anointing abiding in us. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing, he's talking about Holy Spirit, teaching you of all things and is truth and is no lie. And even as it had taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. See, beloved, verse 29, 1 John 2, verse 29. If ye know that he is righteous, you... You know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Amen. Put a period. Okay, beloved. I can I can go on and on, but I think enough has been said today. Glory be to God. Thank you, my heavenly Father. Hallowed be thy holy, righteous, just, merciful name. We look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. Father, you remind us in Titus 3 verses 1 through 7 to be to be obedient, to be ready and willing to do good, to slander or abuse no one, to be kind and conciliatory and gentle, showing unqualified consideration and courtesy toward everyone. For we too once were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved, to various sinful desires and pleasures, spending and wasting our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when, hallelujah, but when the goodness and kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appear in human form as the man, Jesus Christ. Well, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own compassion and mercy by the cleansing of the new birth, spiritual transformation, regeneration, and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out richly upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we would be justified, made free of the guilt of sin by his compassionate, undeserved grace, that and that we would be acknowledged as acceptable to him and made heirs of eternal life, actually experiencing it, it according to our hope, his guarantee. Amen. Father, through Paul, who was called 
to be an apostle by the Lord Jesus Christ in Titus 2, 11 to 14 tells us for the grace of God has been revealed bringing salvation to all people and father we know this to be the Lord Jesus Christ salvation has most certainly appeared and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. Father, your grace teaches us to reject all ungodliness and worldly and moral desires. We are, we are instructed to live lives in obedience. Verse 12 of Titus 2 says, And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior. Father, thank you that we will not be in the group that will not experience the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, when he is revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. He gave his life to cleanse us and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. Amen. I love you, Father, with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I shall love my neighbor as I love myself. And Father, I pray for the saints, your lights. That those who are not living, who are not living in accordance to your word, that they come home. That they turn around, leave the pigsty, and come on home. You are waiting for them. I put out a call to every last single person who claim the name of Jesus but are living in willful sin to repent. 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 Turn from your wicked ways and come back to God right now. Stop what you are doing. Cry out to the living God. Confess. Turn. Come back to the Father. He is waiting. He is waiting for his lost child. He will welcome you back with open arms. He's waiting. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel ashamed. Don't be condemned. Come back, no matter what you have done, no matter what you got yourself 
involved in. The Father is waiting for you. He loves you. He wants you to repent and come on back home. Come back to God today. Today is the day of your rebirth. You have been given grace this day to turn around, to change your mind. That's repentance. Change your mind. You're not living good. You don't have a relationship with God. You are deceived. Now stop it. Heed to sound counsel. You're going the wrong way. Turn around and come back home. Thus saith the Lord, come back home, lights. The Father is waiting for you. There's nothing you have done that he will not forgive you of. Come back before it is too late. Don't try his patience. Because if you continue to stay away, if you continue to walk in, in your pride, he will push you away. He will turn you over to be a reprobate. You don't want that to happen. I'm here as a messenger to tell you, come home. Just, just come on back to the Father. Let him put a ring on your finger. Let him put on a fine robe on your back. Let him put on some good shoes on your feet. Let him cut and slaughter a fatted calf. In your honor. Hallelujah. In your honor. He's going to invite everyone to celebrate that his son, his daughter, who was dead, but now they are alive. They were lost, but now they have been found. Come on home before it is too late. In Jesus' name, I pray, come home. Come back. Come back to the Father. He sent me to bring you back, to come to your senses as you ought to, and stop sinning. Just come on. Come on. Lord willing, beloved. Until next time, I shall be talking to you soon. Repent and believe. Stop your sinning and come back to God. Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.